You can be seated. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. I, I, you guys get the award way more energy than first service. And they had the extra hour of sleep, so they, they had no excuses. Well, uh, my name is Jason Fickus, and I get the privilege of serving uh, on staff here as the director of small group ministries. And uh, unbelievably, as Pastor Rick said, we're already in the second half of this Forgotten God series that we've been working through since the beginning of October, where we've been looking uh, a little more in-depth at the person of the Holy Spirit and and, and who He is and and what He can do uh, in our lives. Well, I'm excited uh, this morning to to see what God wants to reveal to us today, uh, how He wants to speak to us in a new way than maybe we've... uh, heard from him throughout the rest of this series. And so before we jump into the message this morning, I wanted to take just a minute to to calm our hearts and uh, to pray that God uh, would speak to us and and would reveal himself to us today. So would you pray with me, please? God, thank you for what you've been teaching us in this series, for teaching us that everything changes uh, when we truly understand and experience uh, what it means to be aware of your Holy Spirit's presence in our life. God, thank you that we don't have to fear the working of your Spirit Uh, but that we can live a life that's full of joy and and full of your spirit when we surrender to you with right motives. God, teach us today uh, something new. Uh, Impress on our hearts uh, just how much you love us and how much you desire uh, to be in in an intimate relationship with us this morning. We thank you for all you are and all you do, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, as Pastor Rick said, I wanted to let you know that we're going to be wrapping up uh, this morning with communion, and communion is actually going to serve as your response time today. Uh, So I'm going to ask you to pull out both your outline uh, and your response card this morning. Obviously, you can use your outline uh, to fill in the blanks and to take notes as we go along, Uh, but then also during the message, if uh, you feel like there's something that God has impressed upon your heart, something that you want to record, I encourage you to write that reflection down or even any prayer requests you might have on your response card as well. So if you have both of those things out, we're ready to jump in. And we're going to start the message this morning with a question. And the question for you is this. How many of you, uh, if I asked you to name like a most embarrassing moment or a time where you felt especially insecure or vulnerable, how many of you, if I asked you that, could think of something like right off the top of your head, right away? Most of us, right? That's what I figured. Well, whenever someone asks me that question, uh, my brain immediately jogs back to a time when I was five years old. Uh, I was in preschool, and my parents had dressed me in a pair of jeans where, like, the zipper kind of, like, goes down and gets lost in the abyss, and, like, it doesn't matter how much digging you do, like, you can't get it back up. Sidebar, I, you know, I would probably wager to bet that at least a quarter to, to a half of our embarrassing experiences had to do with a zipper of some sort. But, so anyways, in this certain instance, uh, I had to go to the bathroom, but when I was done, of course, the zip, zipper was stuck in the abyss. I, I couldn't dig it up. And so, any, this happened to anybody else? Anyone? Just, no, mostly just me. All right. Anyways, so, so I asked my teacher to help me. And, in fact, not only did my teacher not help me, but, but she, like, basically scolded me and chastised me, saying that if I would only try hard enough, then I would be able to get the zipper back up. You know, thanks for the confidence boost, right? Ironically, based on the week that we've been having, her name was Sandy, so I don't know what the correlation is there. But So I, I did what any normal five-year-old in that situation would do, or maybe not. Uh, I decided that the rest of the day, I was going to lie face down on the carpet until my parents came to pick me up. I was not going to be that guy walking around with his fly down all day. 
But actually, after that moment, uh, I fought my parents tooth and nail uh, about wearing jeans. And actually, I didn't wear uh, jeans again of my own volition until I was in high school. I'm sure they forced me to wear them other times, but (laughs) I wasn't having it. But the thing about embarrassing moments uh, and the thing about that feeling of insecurity that accompanies those moments is that it can lead to all kinds of misperceptions uh, about how people view us and, and also about what we feel like we need to do in order to be accepted. And I think if we're honest, all of us at times have felt uh, that same level of insecurity in our relationship with God. You know, wondering what he really thinks of us because we've messed up or because we look stupid or or maybe trying to perform well to earn his approval or, or to win his good graces. And I think the truth is some of us live in that place of insecurity all the time. You know, constantly in that place of image management in our relationship with God. Either looking over our shoulder when we mess up, waiting for him to scold us or kind of put his thumb down on us. Or maybe looking over our shoulder every time we do something good, kind of expecting God to pull out the the big chalkboard and give us another notch on the holiness meter. But whichever of these two extremes that we err on the side of, maybe, maybe both at times, we don't have to live there. You know, through the Holy Spirit, God can make us free from that insecurity as we truly get to know Him and to allow ourselves to be known by Him. Galatians 4.9 says this, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay enslaved to insecurity. I don't want to stay chained to those weak and miserable forces, to the default of either fear or or performance in my relationship with God, because there's so much fullness and so much freedom uh, and confidence that God is offering us in a vibrant relationship with Him. And it's God's Spirit living inside of us that can provide us with this confidence and this freedom. Because of God's spirit living inside of us, we can ditch insecurity, and instead we can be free to pursue intimacy in our relationship with God. In the book Forgotten God by Francis Chan, uh, the book upon which the series was based, Francis says this, says, it is the Holy Spirit who keeps us from this path of insecurity and gives us confidence so we can enjoy intimacy with our Creator. Though I do not believe that God gives us his spirit solely for our personal benefit, it is undeniable that one of the greatest aspects of being in relationship with the Holy Spirit is the intimacy, security, and encouragement that he brings us. It is then that we can serve God as a beloved child rather than as a stressed-out, guilt-ridden slave. So this morning we're going to take a look at at how it is that the Holy Spirit allows us to develop this kind of intimate relationship with God that leads to freedom. And that leads us into our first point. First point this morning is that because of the Holy Spirit, uh, I can know God. I can know God. You know, I wonder how how often we actually uh, stop and and process what an amazing privilege that we have uh, to be able to know God. I mean, if you think about it, the God of the universe, the all-powerful, all-creative being who who set this world in motion, who crafted intricately our very existence, we get the privilege of getting to know him. Have any of you ever had the chance uh, to meet someone who was at least like semi-famous, like other people would know who this person is? Show of hands if you've gotten to meet someone who's at least kind of semi-famous, yeah. Well, I've had the privilege of of getting to meet and sometimes to interact uh, with a few different uh, famous people. Uh, I've got to meet Todd Blackledge, who was a a former Penn State quarterback, and uh, now he's a a football analyst on TV. 
Uh, I got to sing a song in a concert with Shania Twain, and you'll have to ask me about that experience later. Interesting one. Um, I got to spend a day with uh, Jerry Naylor, who was a former uh, Pennsylvania House representative. And actually this summer, uh, I had the privilege of getting to attend uh, a Carrie Job concert with my wife and with Carla Weaver, who is one of our point worship leaders, uh, who ironically sounds a lot like Carrie Job. Uh, but if you don't know who Carrie Job is, uh, you might recognize her by some of the songs uh, that she does that we have done. Uh, the song Healer, uh, No Sweeter Name. Uh, we've done her version of Revelation Song. Uh, in fact, the Holy Spirit song that we've been doing throughout the course of this series, uh, we actually found that song at her concert. She didn't sing it. Uh, her electric guitar player did, but that's where we found it. But anyways, part of the deal uh, to the tickets that we bought for this concert uh, was the opportunity after the concert was over to participate uh, in a half-hour meet-and-greet with Carrie and her band. And so uh, there were about 60 of us that had this opportunity, and I remember standing, uh, waiting in line to meet her, and the whole time just kind of running through in my head, like, what am I going to say to her? Like, what are we going to talk about when I get up there? (laughs) Um, You know, I had that that I'm about to meet a famous person that I admire, butterflies, kind of running through my stomach. And so I remember we we finally got to the front of the line and we got to meet her. Uh, But honestly, besides me asking her electric guitar player named Hank the name of the song that he sang, I I honestly don't remember a lick of what she said to me or what I said to her, Uh, although my wife and I did get a nice picture with her. But the point is, if we get that enamored uh, by just having a small encounter with a semi-famous person, how much more should we be beyond enamored with the idea uh, that we have met the famous one? You know, and not only have we met him, but we have been invited to know him, uh, to live with him, to enter into a friendship with him. You know, imagine if Carrie Job uh, had given me her personal cell phone number. You know, probably I would text her once a month to see if she needed an extra background singer. Uh, But seriously, if if she invited me to keep in touch with her, you know, with God, that's not something that we have to imagine. You know, God has essentially given us that level of access and more, 24-7 access to him. And he's not only invited us to keep in touch, but he's invited us to become a part of his family. If we back up uh, just a couple of verses in Galatians from the passage that we just read in the intro, we find these words in Galatians 4, 6 through 7. It says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So it says, Because of what God has done, You're no longer a slave. You're no longer just a number. You're no longer just a nobody. Instead, God's word says that you are given a position in his family and made into an heir. You know, most of us are probably familiar with uh, the parable, the story of the prodigal son. You know, in this story that, that Jesus tells, the prodigal son comes to his father while his father is still alive, demands his inheritance money, and then he takes it and, and he goes far away and he, he spends a lot of money and he lives wildly and gets into all sorts of bad stuff. But then what happens? The money runs out, right? And he hits rock bottom. Uh, his friends are gone. He has no place to live. He has nothing to eat. And so eating with pigs, literally, Jesus says that he finally comes to his senses. And he realizes that even the servants at his father's house have it better off than he does. So he decides he's going to go home, tail between his legs, and, and essentially beg for the right to serve as one of his father's slaves. And so we all know the beautiful story, right? He, he goes home to, to settle on being a slave. But before he even gets there, from a long way off, his father sees him and he runs to him. 
and he greets him, and he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he puts, puts a robe on him, and puts sandals on his feet, and, and puts his family's expensive signet ring on his finger. And essentially, he says, let's celebrate, because even though that you think you deserve to live just as a slave, I have so much more than that for you. I'm welcoming you back as my child, as my son. And I'm sure that it took the prodigal son a while to, to, to get used to living and acting as a son again. To, to not be worried that at every mistake he might be kicked out of the family because that's what he felt like he deserved. But I can picture his father saying to him, you're no longer a slave. You don't have to act like one. You don't have to think like one. No matter what you do, you're my child and I love you unconditionally. And maybe today we need to hear the Father's voice speak those words to us. We need the reminder that because God's Spirit now lives in us, that we don't have to live out of that slave mentality any longer. We don't have to worry that God is, is waiting to pounce on our every mistake. And, and even more, we don't have to be bound to those sinful desires uh, that used to keep us enslaved and the desire uh, to continually keep us enslaved. I want to look at another aspect of those two verses uh, in Galatians that we haven't touched on yet, and that's the part that talks about the Holy Spirit uh, living in our hearts, calling out, Abba, Father. You know, when Jewish children were being raised, uh, they were trained to call their father Abba. And there's been many camps of thought as to what that word uh, actually meant uh, in the original language and, and how it best translates to English. Uh, traditionally, uh, it was thought that Abba was more uh, of an intimate term, um, more along the lines of, of meaning daddy than father. But then over time, scholars did a little bit more research, and they came to the point uh, where they believed that Abba was actually more, more of a reverence, more of a respectful term, uh, translated more to mean the father. Uh, but now they've actually come to a place where they kind of believe that both of those things are true, that it's kind of a combination kind of thing. And personally, I think that's probably one of the richest ways to look at it. To think about the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, causing us to call out, Abba, Father. You know, crying out reverently with great respect, but also intimately with childlike adoration. And I think this translation of Abba, Father, is a perfect picture of who God is. And it gives us a great gauge for what it looks like to interact with Him in an intimate way. You know, this is the God that we need to know. You know, all powerful, uh, yet all personal as well. But regardless of which way that we translate Abba, uh, what we can't miss from this passage is that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us this ability to interact with God in this unparalleled and, and intimate way. It's the Holy Spirit who allows us, who gives us the access and the ability to come before God confidently and to call out to Him intimately. God's word in Hebrews 4.16, not in your outline, uh, says that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So the Holy Spirit can provide us access to God. He can give us the ability to be ushered into God's presence, into close proximity with God, proximity that will lead to us getting to know God. But it's this, this knowing thing that's part of the challenge for us. A strange analogy, but follow along with me here. Picture this. Picture the Holy Spirit is kind of like the bouncer outside of the party that's happening in God's throne room, all right? He can get us into the party, but then once we get in, we have a few options. You know, we can wade through the crowd of people. We can go to the hard work of, of getting close to God, of sitting down, of talking to Him, of, of getting to know Him. Um, 
or we can just settle uh, for, for just getting in, right? Just getting to talk to other people about him, getting to know him from a distance, to kind of hope that at least being where he is will rub off on us. And I think for way too long, uh, many of us, myself included, have been satisfied enough to know about God, to just get into the party instead of going one step further and doing the work that it takes to actually get to know God. You know, we've been satisfied to know him as God, but we've stopped short of getting to know him as Abba, Father. Do we have any country music fans in the house today? Willing to admit it? Yeah, you guys are proud country music fans in this service. Good. I'm kind of a lukewarm country music fan. There's some songs, some artists that I really like, and others that, like, make me want to throw up. (laughs) But there's one thing that I will say about country music, is that it can tell good stories, and it has some good lessons. I don't know if anyone here is familiar with the song, uh, What Matters Most, by Ty Herndon. It's a few years old now. Uh, And I have to be honest, I I don't like it enough to spend four minutes of our time playing it for you this morning. (laughs) But I do want to read some of the lyrics to you because I think it draws a great parallel to this discussion that we're having about truly knowing someone. You know, in this song, the writer uh, laments not truly knowing his wife. You know, he entered into the marriage relationship with her. He, He knew things about his wife, but he admits he didn't really know her. The song has lyrics like, Her eyes are blue, her hair was long. In 64, she was born in Baton Rouge. Her favorite song is In My Life. I knew her books, her car, her clothes, but I paid no attention to what mattered most. Her father's tall, her mother's gone. She moved out west when she was two. The way she laughed, the way she loved, what did I do? You know, the writer tells you uh, that one by one he could list all sorts of things that he knew about his wife, but he admits that he didn't know her. You know, he didn't know her hopes, he didn't know her dreams, he didn't know what would make her laugh, make her cry. You know, guys in this room, if someone asked you uh, to look at your wife and to tell you, uh, to tell her what you see, and and you ended up reciting to her all all sorts of facts about her, you can tell her her height, you can tell her how old she is, you can tell her her shoe size, you know, that would mean little to nothing to her, right? Anybody could learn those facts about her. You know, but but ladies, if your husband is able to describe to you uh, what brings her joy, uh, what makes her cry, the, the, the beauty, God's beauty that you see in her, you know, that is something that, that not everybody could, could tell because only someone uh, that knows you intimately would be able to describe those things about you. And this is how God longs to be known, intimately, relationally, deeply. You know, God is not just a, a God of facts and figures. He doesn't just want you to know about him. In fact, in James 2, even the demons, <laughs> uh, it puts pointed out, even the demons know about God. Even the demons believe that God exists. Uh, but only those people who are pursuing God's heart will actually get to truly know him. You know, so I have to ask you, do you want to know God like that? Do you want more than just to get in the party? Do you want to develop an intimate relationship with the guest of honor? You know, I invite you to dig into God's word because God's word shines a light on what his heart beats for. Invite the spirit of God uh, to illuminate his heart to you as you read his word. Read it inquisitively. Search it out. Ask questions of it. And this is a great way to begin to get to know uh, what, what God's heart truly beats for and to begin to get to truly know who God is. So the Holy Spirit enables us uh, to know God. But we can't forget that all intimate relationships, they're, they're a two-way street, right? You know, knowing God is great, but it's only half of the equation. 
You know, after all, one-sided, I know you, relationships are called stalking, and it's creepy. So don't creep on God, right? Let it develop two ways. No, but seriously, in any intimate relationship, you know the other person, but you are also known by the other person. And that's point two. Because of the Holy Spirit, I can be known by God. I can be known by God. Now, it's worth saying, of course, that God already knows us completely. But for us, being known by him, uh, revealing all of ourselves to him, takes our relationship with him to the next level. How many of you would say with a, with a show of hands, sorry I'm making you raise your hands a lot today, that you are a good conversationalist, like getting to know other people comes very easy for you. You're, you're a people person. And probably about half of us are. You know, it's definitely something that I've become better at over the past 10 years, but it's not something that necessarily comes naturally to me. But there's something that I've learned, a, a secret that helps me to get past my lack of conversational skills. And that secret is questions. You know, people love answering questions about themselves. People love talking about themselves. And it's not because they're egotistical. Well, maybe maybe a little bit of it is because they're egotistical, Uh, but it's more so because something clicks when another person takes an interest in us uh, and listens to us. You know, we feel understood, we feel valued, we feel appreciated and loved, and and all of us have this need. We have this need to be understood, uh, to be loved, uh, essentially this need to be known by others. And so in relationships with other people, this is a great desire of ours. Yet in our relationship with God, we sometimes uh, often avoid allowing ourselves to be known by him. We distance ourselves from him. You know, why, why do we do that? Why is that? You know, I can think of three reasons that, that I do it, and maybe you can relate to some of these. Maybe we distance ourselves uh, unintentionally from God because we're just too comfortable. You know, when, when we feel comfortable, we don't feel like we need a relationship with God. You know, after all, uh, you know, why would we need a comforter or why would we need a provider if we already feel comfortable, if we already feel provided for? Sometimes I think we distance ourselves because our lives are just too loud. There's too much going on, right? We're so busy attending to whatever is, is shouting at us the loudest. We're putting out fires over here and over there. And, and so it's hard for us to prioritize slowing down and, and getting still and getting away from the distractions long enough to get to know ourselves, much less to allow God to get to know us. And sometimes, and I, and I think mo- uh, quite possibly most often, Uh, We distance ourselves because we feel like the prodigal son in in that story that I summarized earlier. We feel unworthy. Uh, We feel afraid of punishment. We're we're afraid that that God may love us, but if we actually let him get to know us, that he probably wouldn't really like us. And so rather than allowing God to get to know us, we kind of stiff arm him. We kind of keep him at a distance. We only allow him to see the parts of us that that we want to put forward. We, We put our good foot forward, so to speak. But we don't need to keep our distance. You know, we don't have to fear God's reaction to our imperfections. Because the truth is that God assures us that there is no condemnation for us. When we let him inside, when we allow him uh, to get to know us, not only will he not condemn us, uh, but, but he'll even offer us grace, just like the father in the story of the prodigal son. He'll give us good things that we don't deserve. Romans 8, 1-2 says this, So there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. 
And this is hard for us to wrap our minds around. You know, really? No condemnation? You know, because there's no earthly relationship that we're in where this, this is true. You know, even the people who, who care, about, uh, care about us the most have at some level, in some point in the course of our relationship, uh, condemned us, put us down, um, expressed strong disapproval or judgment over a poor decision that we have made. And so because of our earthly experience, it's easy for us to, to translate this expectation of condemnation into our relationship with God. But God's word says that's just not true. Because we belong to Jesus, the Spirit has freed us from that. So even at the times where we feel broken, God says, no, you're, you're lovely to me. Even at the times where we feel guilty, God says, no, you're forgiven. But it's hard for us to reprogram our brains, to not expect condemnation from him when we screw up. So oftentimes we find ourselves actually pulling away from God instead of leaning in towards him. Henry Nouwen uh, is a man who has authored over 40 books about spirituality. Uh, And in the book, uh, Return of the Prodigal Son, uh, he has this quote that talks about the struggle of allowing ourselves to be known by God. This is what he says. He says, For most of my life I have struggled to find God, to know God, to love God. I've tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life. Pray always work for others, read the scriptures, and to avoid the many temptations to dissipate myself. I failed many times, but always tried again, even when I was close to despair. But now I wonder whether I have sufficiently realized that during all this time, God has actually been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. So the question is not, how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not, how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by him? And finally, the question is not, how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me, just like the father of the prodigal son, trying to find me and longing to bring me home. You know, now and says it's, it's like we're playing this game of hide and seek with God. And we think that we're the seeker, but God is actually the seeker. And so God's trying to find us, but we're trying to find him too. So we're not actually allowing ourselves, slowing down long enough, uh, focusing in long enough to let ourselves be found by him. You know, in the context of what we're discussing, it's like now and would say that we're actually afraid to be the hider <laughs> because we're afraid to be found uh, in the mess and in the sin that we're living in. And we're pretty sure that God's going to be angry with us when he finds us. But it's okay for us to be found. It's okay to stop avoiding God, to stop distancing ourselves from him. We don't need to fear his condemnation because God's word says, no, that's not who I am. <laughs> My condemnation those two things don't go together. It it doesn't exist. So by the power of the life-giving spirit, we're free to be known by God, fully and completely, inside and out, warts and all, and know that everything is going to be okay. Imagine for a second, and this is going to be a stretch for some of you, but imagine that you are a newly married young man. And after you get home from your honeymoon, you bring your wife uh, home to the bachelor pad that you lived in before you got married, that you lived in uh, by yourself. And imagine that you say this to your new bride. You say, honey, you know, I'm really glad that you're here, and I love that someone as important to me as you is going to be living with me in this house. 
but I, I really don't feel comfortable with you being in most of the rooms of this house. So let me just show you the one room that I've set up for you really nice, and if you could just stay in there, that'd be great. And she says, what? And he says, yeah, yeah, sorry. You know, you see, some of, some of my rooms are just full of junk, and so I don't want you to be bothered to, to go in there. And some of them are just a little too dirty, and, and I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to let you see them. And some of them, I'm sure, have things lying around that I know you wouldn't approve of. So for the health of our relationship, you probably ought to just stay out of that, those rooms. And one room is just, it's my personal space. It's kind of my man cave, and I really don't like things being touched or messed with in there. So if you could just stay out of that room, that'd probably be good too. But, but I've got this one room all tidied up, nice and clean for you. So, so if you could just go in those rooms and steer clear of the rest of the rooms, I, I think our relationship will work out fine. You know, how do you think that would go over? I think the honeymoon phase would end like that, right? And it's a silly analogy because you'd never do that to someone important to you, right? Yet what I think we need to see is that we do this to God all the time. You know, the God of the universe who has humbled himself to live in a place as obscure as our hearts and we relegate him even further uh, to one room, to a, to a small area in the house of our hearts, in, in the house of, of this temple that is his home. And so we tell him, you know, there's some rooms, there's some areas of our lives that, that we've cleaned up well enough for you to enter. You're welcome to, to be with me in those rooms. But there's other rooms, it, it'd just be best if you would stay out of those rooms. If, if we're being honest, you're, you're not really welcome there, God. We're kind of embarrassed if you saw what we kept in those rooms. But listen, God wants to make his home with us. He doesn't just want to make one room with us. He's not just looking to pop in when it's convenient. He doesn't just want the phone call when we're in crisis and need help. He doesn't just want to be relegated to a small space. He wants to be a full-time resident. He wants to know us in the everyday routine. He wants to counsel us, to guide us, uh, to teach us, to offer the kind of wisdom and direction that only he can because of his unique perspective. And he wants to do all of those things because he loves us indescribably. But the only way that he can do that is if we give him ample space to live inside of us. We can't confine him to one small room in our lives and expect him to be satisfied, to expect him uh, to do his work there. We have to be willing to let him invade every room. You know, last week uh, we talked about examining our motives, uh, but not just through our own introspection, uh, but through God's inspection. And so if, if your heart is God's home, today I, I want to challenge you uh, to allow him to do a home inspection, so to speak, in your heart. Anyone fans of HGTV? We love watching HGTV in our household. Uh, we especially enjoy the show uh, Holmes Inspection featuring Dave Holmes uh, because in it he, he, he goes around and he finds all these errors, he finds all these code violations, all these things that weren't done right. And, and it's fun to watch him rant about that stuff. It's kind of fun to watch him blast the contractors who somehow thought that the way that they did it was the right way to do it. Uh, but what's even better is watching him make things right. Because he turned something that was dangerous or broken, uh, and, and then he threw some hard work and, and normally a pricey cost, he turns it into something that's functional and something that's beautiful. But he can only make it right when he's invited, uh, when he's granted full access into that house. And so today, I invite you to grant God full access to your heart to let him inspect and to point out the flaws and, and the code violations in the darkest rooms of your heart. 
And that's a scary thing to do. Because just like you never know what you're going to find behind the walls during a home inspection, we're probably a little bit scared about what God's going to find in those darkest corners, in those darkest rooms in our house that we haven't allowed him access to for a long time, whether intentionally or unintentionally. But I know this, it's that the things that offend God, the things that break his heart, those are the things that can end up proving to be the areas of greatest redemption. You know, just like the worst mistakes in a home inspection uh, can lead to new functionality and new beauty when they're transformed, so too can the faulty areas of our lives, when they're inspected and when they're made right, uh, bring about amazing new beauty. It's going to be costly, don't get me wrong, but the good news is that on the cross, Jesus already paid for it. He paid for the renovations. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, I want to invite you to watch this video clip. Uh, It's the words of scripture, it's the words of a few psalms read by daybreakers, uh, inviting God to have free reign in us, uh, to search us, to know us, uh, to to look and to find those messed up places in our hearts and to bring them up to code. So watch this video with me and allow it to challenge you this morning to open yourself up to God's inspection in these next few moments. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know what I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I even start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead, you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask for the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be white as snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. The Holy Spirit allows us to have an intimate relationship with God, getting to know him and getting to be known by him to get to know what his heart beat for, what he desires, 
and also to experience the freedom and beauty of having a heart fully open, fully welcome to the work of the master contractor. We want to give you a chance now to spend some time in personal reflection as we enter into communion. You know, the tradition, the, the sacrament of communion started at the Last Supper, at a time where Jesus sat down with, with 12 of his closest companions, friends who knew him as well as anybody who walked the earth, and friends who Jesus knew deeply, flaws and all. And it was this meal that Jesus asked us to take to remember the sacrifice, the sacrifice of a father who was willing to give everything up in order to make his home in our hearts. A brutal, painful death that Jesus was willing to undertake so that God's spirit could reside in us, allowing us in such an intimate way to get to know the Father and to be known by him in return. I'd like to invite the communion attendants to come forward at this time. During this next song, uh, as you're waiting for the elements to be passed to you and then as you're waiting to take them all together, I want you just to sit in God's presence. Maybe close your eyes and meditate on two questions. And maybe it would be helpful for you to write these down. I think there's space on the back of your outline if you want to write these down. The first question is this. What does God want you to know or discover about him today? What does God want you to know or discover about him today? Because he longs to be fully known by you. And the second question is, what part of your life do you need to give God full access to today? What part of your life do you need to give God full access to today? So allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate uh, the answers to these questions over these next few minutes. Uh, if it's helpful for you to reflect uh, on your response card, do that. Uh, but take some time over these next few minutes as the elements are passed uh, to just meditate and to sit in God's presence. Jesus 
You know, as Jesus uh, reclined at the table, uh, even with one who was about to betray him, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Even though I know the darkness of your heart, there is no condemnation for you. So let's eat this now in remembrance of him. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. and He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So allow my blood to cover over, to wash away all your sins, and enjoy the renovations that my Holy Spirit is going to lead you to make in your life. So let's take this cup together. Please bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son to die so that all of our sins, all of our messes, didn't have to cost us any longer. Even though we strive to honor you, sometimes our sinful nature still wins out. So thank you for not condemning us when we fail. Thank you for even taking it a step further to offer us grace instead. God, thank you that you aren't just the keeper of some cosmic scorecard, keeping track of our failures and our successes. Thank you that it's not performance that you care about, but it's us. It's our hearts that you long to know us intimately. Today we commit to the journey of knowing your heart, of entering into an intimate relationship with you. May we live by your spirit, allowing you access to all areas of our lives, and may we have the courage to make the changes that you call us to make. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue worshiping together, uh, I want to let you know that if you would like to uh, have someone pray with you or pray over you this morning, uh, that our prayer partners are available in the green room for you to do that. So at any point over the next two songs, you can feel free to, to exit out the back, take a left down to the green room, and, uh, and spend some time back there in prayer with our prayer partners. For everyone else, I just want to encourage you uh, to continue in this time of intimacy now uh, with God as the Holy Spirit, or with God uh, and the Holy Spirit uh, as the worship team leads us in this next song called Holy Spirit. Thanks. Thanks.